Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Amen. Judges chapter 6. This morning I'm in the new interesting version, the NIV version of the Bible. And uh, you're going to find this year I'm going to be moving around lots of different translations. People have actually made religions out of certain translations. If you don't read the King James, you're not a Christian. Where does that come from? Actually, before there was the King James Version, there was the Geneva Bible. And the Puritans used the Geneva Bible, not the King James Version. And the King James Bible came out after the Geneva Bible, but there was also political reasons that caused the king to do some of the things that he did. The bottom line is we're grateful we have the original transcripts. I'm sorry, let me clean it up. We have copies of the original uh, transcripts. And uh, with that, our scholars work day and night trying to give us the best uh, uh, translations of the, the, the scripture. Verse 1 of the book of Judges, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. The children of Israel kind of had an off and on again relationship with God, like many of us in this room. We're on one day, off the next, and if things don't go right, then we're off again, and then if things are okay, then we're on. And for seven years, God had to deal with it. He gave them into the hands of the Midianites. God seldomly punishes us personally. All he really has to do is take, take a step back and let our enemies uh, deal with us and let us reap what we've sown. We don't realize how much the Lord protects us until God takes his hand back and lets some stuff happen. And again, God is often not the one doing this stuff. He just backs up and lets the, the, the world, the universe, if you will, take care of us the, the way it ought to. Well, because of the power of Midian, and these Midianites were actually descendants of Abraham, but through Keturah, uh, and family squabbles can be the most vicious and, and mean-spirited. So they're related, and there's a little jealousy between the tribes. So Midian, Midian here was, was especially oppressive. They had absolute military supremacy. You couldn't move unless uh, Midian let you. So the Israelites, they prepared shelters for themselves in the mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. It was a little bit like the 1950s where everyone, uh, you know, had their own uh, bomb shelter in the backyard. It was that type of environment and, and war was always on the horizon. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and other eastern people, so there was a, a conglomeration of people that would come against Israel, but it would happen at the set times and they would invade the countries. And here was the pattern. The Israelites would plant and they'd get up every day and work their fields and they'd sweat and, and plow and all the rest. But as soon as harvest time came, the Midianites would sweep into the land. The enemies would come and, and steal, kill, and destroy everything that they had worked months and months to establish. And it was an absolute cycle of demoralization. I mean, they were discouraged. I mean, you know, uh, one step forward, 10 steps back, that was the way they lived. And it was very, very frustrating for the children of Israel. Anybody in this room have some situations like that? You know, you work real hard and, and so, you know, you, you, you do everything to cook the turkey, you get everything set, and then people arguing at the table, or then somebody's late, or, you know, so, you, know you, you do all the work and somebody gonna come and steal the joy out of the situation. This was the experience of the Israelites. But in this case, it was because God stepped back because they had did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They backed off. They camped on the land and ruined the crops again. Every year, like clockwork, uh, their work was destroyed. Now their refrigerators are bare and, and they're all struggling. 
all the way to Gaza. And the Midianites didn't spare a living thing for Israel. The whole country was affected and it was just brutal. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. So the devil would kind of come in like a flood uh, and the Israelites would just sit back and watch. To ravage and devastate the people of God, Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. This is the sad part. Only when they hit bottom did they look up. Unfortunately, that's the way a lot of us are, man. You know, if everything's good and everything's going right, you don't have no time for God. But you know, only when trouble comes that, you know, okay, God, okay, okay. But you know, you could save yourself a whole lot of pain if you call on God before trouble comes. You know what I'm saying? Don't be that person that, you know, you got to get spanked before you listen, you know, because you're going to end up with a whole bunch of spankings and bruising and all the rest. You know, just learn to listen to God's word. I used to tell my kids when they were in that age, I know it's illegal now, but I did it. And and what you going to do? And it worked. (laughs) It worked. They're good kids. But I say, boys, if you don't listen to my mouth, you're going to have to feel my hand. You got two choices here. And, and, and God's the same way. Like, okay, you don't want to listen. And that's what he did with the children of Israel. When the Israelites cried to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet. Pay attention to God's pattern because this is an absolute biblical pattern that you really can't get away from in Scripture. The, the way God addressed the problem was by sending them a leader. They had a, 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 there was going to be a famine. What did they do? They said Joseph ahead. He went into to, to Egypt and he, he, he got in position such that when the famine came, uh, he was able to feed his brothers and the Israelites survived. Same thing with, 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 with Moses. Uh, you know, the people were in bondage in Egypt. And what did he do? He didn't just fix it. He, he, he spoke to Moses in a mountain, then sent Moses and, and used Moses to fix the problem. The same thing with David. Ultimately, we see this in the life of our Lord Jesus. Good leadership is always God's strategy to help us win in life. We need good leadership. It's super, super important. So what did God do? Uh, they, they finally cried out. How did he respond? Would a miracle fixing it? No. He sent a leader and through that leader, his miracles came and the fix came. He sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. You know, when, when, when you're in trouble, uh, you, I just heard this this week. I was, I was playing cards with the guys, and they were telling me that, that pastors in the neighborhood were getting their messages from Sermon.com. And I didn't even know Sermon.com existed. But when you're in trouble, you don't need a message from Sermon.com. You need a pastor who hears from God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And in the midst of their crisis, a man stood up, and he began to speak for God. He said, listen. The God of Israel says, I'm not just giving you my opinion, my thought. This is not because of my educational level. I have spent time with the master and this is his, these are his instructions. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of slavery. We need leaders that can do more than tickling, by the way. They they, got to hear from God. He said, I rescued you from the power of Egypt. So he's speaking for God. I drove them from before you and gave you their what? Land. And what God was saying, he was saying, listen, I'm not asking you guys to believe in a fairy tale. I am the God of history. I have a historical track record with my people. And, and I have bona fides that people can vouch for. When I read this Bible, I'm not trying to be intellectual. I'm trying to see what God did in other people's lives so I can see what he's going to do in my life. It's written to inform me of what God does and what he can do. Do you understand? So he was saying, listen, I, I did this in the past, and what I did in the past is an indication, in my case, of what I'm going to do in the future. 
So when you read this book and someone gets healed, say, oh, if God did that, then he will do it now. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We have to believe like that. And when you believe that, that you'll start reading your Bible. Because you'll say, yeah, yeah, you know what? I, I need to know what he'll do for me. It gets personal and exciting, and God will meet you in that time of study. He said, I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites, those who live in the land. But you have not what? Listen to me. So why were they in trouble? Not because God didn't love them, but why? Because they wouldn't listen. Sometimes we're in trouble not because God doesn't love us, but because we don't listen. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak at Ophrah that belonged to Joash the uh, Bezerite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat. Now, wheat is typically threshed in open places. Um, the reason why threshing worked was the wind would blow and the uh, uh, heaviest stuff would fall to the ground, the lighter stuff would blow away. So what you would do is you go to the top of a hill or open plain somewhere where there was high uh, wind and you throw up the, the wheat and the wind would again uh, separate the stuff you don't want from the stuff you, you do want. But here he is in a hole in the ground, not an open space. He's hiding basically in the hole to keep from the Midianites. Has anyone in this room ever had to hide some of their blessings from other people? You, you know, you, you have to try to keep yourself down so other people won't criticize and attack you. Now, you know, particularly in the, in the church, I remember now, it's different nowadays, but, uh, you know, if you had any type of, of blessing and prosperity, you had to hide it because people would criticize you being worldly and carnal and, and all the rest. And uh, uh, similar situation here, but a little, little different uh, characters playing it out. It says here, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said something really strange. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon, I'm sure, looked around in the hole. You talking to me? See, the problem was when Gideon saw himself, he only saw his weaknesses. You see, when God saw Gideon, he saw his potential. What does God see when he looks at you? Sometimes God looks at, why are, I mean, you got the stuff, but you're so busy hiding, no one will ever know. Do you understand? So what he has to do is kind of introduce Gideon to himself to get him to come out the hole. If you want to come out the hole, you got to let God introduce you to who you really are. I know who you think you are. But, you know, they used to call you that, but God said, I call you this. And I call you by name, and it's always the right name. I gave you the right handle. God saw this man's potential, and he called and pulled on it. And that's why I know with me, the struggle with ministry and all that, because I saw myself one way. God saw what he had placed in me. You see yourself one way. I can't parent. I, I can't love a woman. I can't love a man. But it's because the way you see yourself, but God sees what he placed in you, and he only asks of you what he placed in you, period. That's the way God is. Verse 13, he says, pardon me, my Lord, getting reply, but listen, if the Lord is with me, why am, why am I in the mess I'm in? Why am I in the state I'm in? Why has all this happened to us? I mean, God, if you really love me, I would not be in this situation. How many of you had some thoughts like that before? Yeah, you're not the first. Where are all the wonders that our fathers told us about? I, you know, I read all that Bible stuff, but I don't see it happening in, in my life. Where, where are the wonders where, you know, where, where it said, you know, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us. You know what? They used to do that in older generations, but God doesn't do that anymore. 
And, and Lord, you, you just kind of left us to ourselves, and that's why I, I, I'm hiding, I'm in this hole. Ever feel abandoned by God, anybody in this room? The Lord turned to him and said, and pay attention to this, go in the strength you have. You don't need another conference. You don't need nobody to lay hands on you. The strength to overcome has been in you and with you all the time. What God is saying is, son, I haven't been absent. You're the one that hasn't been showing up. Because I put in you what it takes. You just haven't realized it yet. So you got the stuff just like every previous generation. It's just that we don't know it. And, and, and here he said, listen, go in the strength that you already have. I mean, you're filled with the spirit of the living God. God himself, the divine nature lives in you. Do you really need, Lord, pour out your blessing, pour it down? He already poured it out. It's already on the inside of you. And what we have to do is unlock that which we already have. Does that make sense? Go in the strength you have. And you save Israel out of that big bully's hand. Come out of your hole, Gideon, and start acting like the man I know or the woman I know that you are. And they said, am I not sending you? Meaning all I really need you to do, Gideon, is do whatever I tell you. And this is always God's success for me. Do what I say. Verse 15. But Lord, I've had a lot of but Lord conversation. How many of you? Lord asked me to do the but. No, no, no. Lord, listen, listen. You must got the wrong guy. How can I save Israel? See, this man saw something else, but God saw something different. But who's right? Is Gideon right? Are you right? Or is God right? If he called you to it, you can get through it. That's just the way it is. How can I save Israel? If you're going to do anything for God, if you're going to come out your hole, one of the first things you're going to have to do is get over your self-doubt. You're going to have to believe in the God in you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Those are just not novel scriptures. Those are things you got to come to own. He said, listen, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. You know my family background, my educational level, my disposition, my socioeconomic level. Now, what you talking about, Willis? You know, I, what, what you saying? I'm going to save Israel. The Lord answers again. He has conversations with him. He cares about him. And he's, he's talking to him and speaking to his heart. And then he says the only thing that really matters, all the educational level and the disposition, all that doesn't matter. He says, I will be with you. Gideon, this is really not ultimately even about you, but the one who is with you. And if I am with you and I told you to do it, believe me, I can pull out of you what is needed to get the job Done. I learned not to believe in myself so much. I believe in him who's on the inside of me. Are you hearing me? And believe that, again, God called me to it. Again, he will get me through it. Then he says, I will be with you and you will. He's saying it's going to happen. There's no question mark. Not saying you might. No, no, no. And you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. What we're about to discover is a biblical strategy to kill everything that's been killing you. This is what Midian's about to do. Judges 7 to 1, 7 1, let's skip. 
we have really two chapters to cover. Early in the morning, Jerob Baal, that's Gideon, by the way. Some people will call your names. Get over it. That's, that's part. If you're going to do anything for God, people are going to say something. Comes with the territory. And all his men capped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. Well, already they were outnumbered four to one. Now, we didn't cover this because we didn't read all the scriptures, but, you know, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the other folks had over 150,000 warriors, and they, they had to begin with only around 40,000. I mean, it's basically a four-to-one situation, and God says basically, you know what? Gideon, you have too much going for you. I mean, they, they, listen, they are not just facing a challenge, they're facing war. War is bloody. I mean, you go there with two legs, come back with one. You go there with two eyes, you might come back with no eye. I mean, this was serious. This was warfare. And, and, and God said, listen, uh, Gideon, you still have too much going for you. I mean, this guy had so much. Now, he was hiding in the hole, but according to God, that when the odds were stacked against him four to one, he still said, you know what, uh, man, you, you got so much in you that you're still going to whip them. I need to start evening out the odds just a little bit. Do you understand? The adversary is no match for the God in our lives. He said, you have too many men. And, and he said, listen, I, I don't want you guys to be able to say that my own strength has, has saved you. God wants to do something so big that, that only he could take credit for it. Now announce to, to the army, verse 3, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. What's happening here? God did not want Gideon to manipulate. He didn't want him to force or pressure anybody to do anything for God. And he's saying, basically, if their heart's not right, send them home. Because you know what? It's going to be raw God. And I know a lot of times under pressure and stress, we go to manipulate and we go and try to make stuff happen, pressuring people, little secret conversation. But God is saying, if I'm God, you don't have to do none of that. And God said, I will show myself strong. So 20,000 men left. Ooh. Imagine God, you know, tells us to take the nation. And then half the church leaves after that announcement. Imagine how demoralizing that can be. But that'll let you know, are you trusting in God or your congregation? While only 10,000 remain. So Gideon's looking at him, this makes no sense. Hey, what you doing? But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. The odds still aren't stacked quite right against you. And, I, you know, I used to wonder, God, why do you wait to the midnight hour? Why do you wait to the last minute? And he does it so I know it's him. Because if he does it early, I'll just think happenstance, maybe I figured it out, maybe someone just liked me, maybe it was my personality, maybe it was my connections, you know, maybe it was this, maybe it was that. But when he, he he'll intensely wait till it's impossible to build our, not to harm us, but to build our faith so we recognize only God could have done that thing. But the Lord said there, there are too many, take them down to the water and I will thin them out for you. Imagine pastoring. And God starts saying, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless you. Y'all, you're going to win this county. Let me get rid of all your people. Imagine, you know, uh, you're running a business and, and God's saying, listen, I'm going to make you a Fortune 500 company, but first let me get rid of almost all your customers. This is, I mean, it makes no sense to the natural mind. The ways of God are revealed by the Spirit. They don't come first out of 
the intellect. All, even though they're rational, they make sense finally and in the end. God's not irrational, but he does not submit to the human mind. Take them down to the water and, and I will thin them out for you. We have to learn to let go of some people, particularly those who are not good for us. Those of you looking for a word this morning, you just got it. You got to learn to let go of folk that aren't good for you. Maybe they were good for you in the past, but they're not good for you where you're going. You got to let them go. Don't fight with them. Don't, don't get upset. Don't, 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 don't try to manipulate. No, guys, come back. No, no, no. Let them go and do what you need to do. If I say this one shall go with you, then he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. Our effectiveness is not determined by our numbers, but by our obedience. The Bible said if just two or three gather together in his name, there he is in the midst. And as long as God is present, it's enough to get the job done. So Gideon took the men down to the water. He obeyed. He said, Lord, this makes no sense. I'm about to step into harm's way. And I'm going to be more vulnerable than I ever imagined. So that we couldn't beat them in the past. And, and now you're thinning us out even more. But I'm going I'm to do what you say. I'm going to go down to the water. And the Lord said, separate those who lap their, the water front with their tongues like dogs from those who kneel down to drink. I, I was told also, in the, I was playing cards this weekend. These guys were just kicking a whole bunch of wisdom. And uh, they, they were telling stories about J.C. Penney's. Um, and what he would do is he would take potential hires out to dinner. And as part of the interview process, uh, he, he would watch how they handled their meal. And if they seasoned their food before they tasted the food, he wouldn't hire the person. Why? Because basically what he was saying is, you know what, if this person makes decisions before they know the facts, they're not the type of candidate we want on the job. So we find this in business, but God had a similar pattern here. He said, you know what? Uh, the w people's behavior is going to match what they're going to do in times of pressure. And I only want one certain type of person. Verse 6, 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. So here he is. He's looking. And out of the, the, the what, several thousand, only 300 drinks the right way. Only 300 decided that they would taste the food before they seasoned the food. But God often thins us out before he moves us on. He, he, he prunes and fine tunes before he'll take you to the moon. And, 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 but he gotta, you got to go through that process in order to get to where you're going. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. Everyone can't go where God is taking you. The Lord said to get it, but you got to work with those God gave you. The Lord said to give him, with these 300 men that lapped, I will save you. You see, the issue is what God was in. These 300 men, that's what I will use to save you and give the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other men, what? Go. You gotta let some people go. If you hang on to them, you might have more people, but more problems. Let them go. God knows what's best. If he's saying, let it go, let it go. Go, he's wise. Each to his own place. Now, basically, it's 400 to 1. These 300 men against thousands of warriors coming against them. And God says, okay, the odds now are just right. 
In other words, I want to whip the devil with both hands tied behind my back, with my legs tied up. You hear what I'm saying? I want, I want you to realize who I am. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites to their tents, but kept the 300. I know I'm repeating myself, but it takes faith to let the wrong people go. It may not make sense to the head, but we must be obedient. Skip to 7 to 16. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. The battle was not going to be won in this case by swords and spears, but by the sound and the noise that they were willing to make for God. God's means are sometimes unconventional. You may think, you know what, you need another degree, and God says, all I need is a little more praise. I'll give you wisdom a book couldn't even come close to. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.